Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to Merle's Pearls of Business Wisdom, where I, Merle M. Singer, the Relationship Miracle Worker, talks about all things relationship and how they impact the workplace. And frankly, everything impacts the workplace, certainly every kind of relationship and the relationship we have with ourselves at home and at work all have something to do with, uh, with how we function in this world. So today I have this fabulous person as a guest speaker. And uh, she is fabulous because she's just a nice person. And besides that, she's brilliant. But let me introduce her very specifically. Dr. Regina Lark is founder and owner of A Clear Path. Clear Path is a professional organizing and uh, productivity. It's a website. Regina earned her PhD in U.S. Women's, United States Women's History from the University of Southern California, then worked with the UCLA Women's Studies Program in 2008. And then just, and we're going to ask her how it happened. She left higher education, which she highly enjoys, and started a clear path. She certainly is a thought leader on the topic of women, emotional labor, and our brain. Emotional labor is, in case you want to know, the unnoticed, unwaged, I like that, unwaged, unwritten work women do in the home and in the paid workforce. It includes everything from assuring socks match <laughs> to coping with a pandemic, schooling, a job, family life, all under one roof, all in one brain. Largely invisible, the mental load of emotional labor weighs heavily on the shoulders of women. Emotional labor is generally thought of to be women's work whether at home or in the office, but it is actually not gender specific. Yes, I, I agree. It's not necessarily gender specific. It's just, well, work. Uh, even when you're just thinking, it's work. And for women with executive function challenges, the work becomes even more challenging or, or for a, a guy for that matter. Yes, there's no question about it. Uh, so Regina is a feminist historian and she is a professional organizer and brain hacking entrepreneur. And we're gonna ask her what brain hacking is, but, Yes, here. She talks on the topic of emotional labor as unseen, unnoticed. We, we kind of know that. Uh, and she has described the historic journey of so-called women's work. So she's, she's uh, 
she has a PhD. She does <laughs> research and she's researched this and done the history of it. She'll talk about emotional labor, slams into the executive function as the home. It's all causes this this uh, organization, this clutter, all the things that go on in our brain when we're trying to do something that we didn't make a list about. Or we did make a list about, and it doesn't matter. Uh, she's definitely a professional member of uh, the National Speakers Association, uh, where I met her, and she speaks and trains on emotional labor, women's lives. She's awesome. Uh, Want to say she wrote three books. Uh, that's I. I want you to know. Emotional Labor, Why Women's Work is Never Done and What to Do About It. That's her current book. But she's also done uh, Psychic Debris, Crowd of Closets, The Relationship Between the Stuff in Your Head and What's Under Your Bed, which I happen to enjoy that. I listened to it on uh, Audible. And uh, I, well, I don't want to go into it. She had another book about, oh, I, I I don't see it here. But what was that about, Regina? That oh, It was just a book I did uh, called Before the Big O, Professional Organizers yeah. Talk About Life Before Organizing. Yeah. Well, so, you know. You just did it on a lark. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you would do it on a lark. <laughs> uh, but now my question is, uh tell me before organizing what does i don't even i've found that very curious what do you mean was there a time before there was organization how can that be merle the book is about people who had other occupations and professions and then went into organizing oh. Yeah, okay. it's it's just for people in our industry. It's it's got it it's it's it was just done on a lark. Uh -huh. Yes, yes, I understand. <laughs> uh, uh, which is probably why you picked that name because you do things on a lark. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, I have a question for you. You are very learned, and you are very comfortable or seem very comfortable in the university setting you do research this is this is kind of a, i see this as uh, something comfortable for you so what was the one thing that pushed you out of the university <laughs> and to start a clear path i was laid off <laughs> oh <laughs> it was 2008 everybody was getting laid off uh, so I was, uh, a week before my layoff, I had gone to um, uh, a week before my layoff. I had just come back from a vacation in Jerusalem where I visited a very good friend of mine. And uh, <coughs> pardon me, while I was there, uh, I said, Nadra, I don't want to be a tourist today. How about if I do your kitchen? And she's like, Habibdi, what does that mean? And I said, Nadara, your girls are in their 30s. You got sippy cups in the cupboard. Just let me do what I do. So I decluttered and organized her kitchen, didn't think about it, went back to my desk 
to UCLA a week or two later. And um, a week after that, I uh, was told that my unit was being dismantled, my position was being eliminated, and I was about to be out of a job. And I was just about to turn 50 years old. I had never been out of a job before. Uh, I'd been working since I was probably 13 or 14 uh, at, at something, some kind of paid work. And uh, so two months into my layoff, I thought, a girl's got to eat. And uh, I told my roommate I was going to be an organizer until something better came along. And we looked up organizers in the zip code. And the first person to come up is Catherine Macy, PhD in chemical, in in uh, in uh, mechanical engineering. And I thought, oh, organizers are smart people. And mm. uh, I called her up. She knew my roommate, invited us for dinner, came up with the name of my company. She hired me as an assistant twice. And I thought, oh, you can you can earn money doing this work. And uh, that was 15 years ago. I've grown a queendom. I've got 10 employees, two books. I'm a speaker. I'm a trainer. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've just grown a great company. It's I'm really pleased with it. <laughs> <laughs> you should be pleased with it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually think that that uh, in school, we teach people to be good employees. We ought to teach them more about how to be good entrepreneurs. You just happen to be smart enough to figure that out on your own. Yeah. I mean, we still teach algebra. I, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't that's, get it. That's, that's, another, that's another interview. That's <laughs> uh, okay. So you're described feminist historian, <laughs> professional organizer, and brain hacking entrepreneur. That's how you describe yourself. So what what is a brain hacking? What what's the brain hacking part? It, it's a it's a uh it's a play on words. I you know it's it's breaking down uh what's going on uh how do I describe it? It's breaking down what we think we know to be true about life. We're just going to hack through that mess. So uh, brain hacking came out of the work I'm doing on emotional labor, because when we when we really cut through uh, the the uh, century old historical myth, how do how do we hack the hack through these myths? to um, to really understand what it takes to create uh, and manage a household. You know, the word homemaker has no gender. Right. And yet, <laughs> it's a job performed primarily by women, regardless of skill set regardless of skill set. So do you think that is that that is changing at all? Uh, I, I don't think it is um it, it is changing of course, but it's not statistically relevant yet. You hear pockets of how it's changed, but oh Merle, this is what I hear a lot. My husband's so good at X, y and Z. I never, I rarely hear someone say, 
I, I, I feel an equal partnership with my spouse. What I hear is he's good at certain things and helpful and, you know, on board. All of that's wonderful. I don't see that as gender equity. I see that this is still her job and she's help, he's helping her do her job. It doesn't imply ownership of the tasks on, on the other adult's part. So I think about whoever is responsible for the functioning of the household, both the visible work and the invisible work, that that work ought to be shared regardless of who's good at it or not. Well, it yes, I agree. It should be shared. Uh, you're very nuanced. I mean, th th this is a very nuanced way of uh, you're definitely brain hacking. I now understand what brain hacking is. <laughs> uh, I mean, because I I think uh, I, I think of my husband. He takes uh, he cooks. He mostly we've gone through different periods of our life at this point. At certain periods, I've cooked, and again, uh, he's. But mostly he cooks. On the other hand, you talk about what people have a natural inclination for. He has a natural inclination for leaving stuff behind everywhere he goes. Mm. So I do the dishes. Uh, it's it's because one, what's what's comfortable, we each do what's comfortable for us. You know, who owns that? Is do we have an equal ownership of that? Well, is that I, I don't know. It it's again my premise is typically the work goes to the person most suited for it. There's a historical myth that women are just better at being homemakers. Oh, but if you no, have executive function challenges. Yeah, the yeah, relationship yeah. with time, emotion, that you, right. you don't have that capacity right. to plan, logic, prioritize, right. then, and you're still the one doing all of that work. Yeah. So yeah. again, it's the historical myth that women are better at it. There's this huge body of work that has to be done in the household. And it just has to be done. It, right. it, 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 it. If 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 uh, if families wait to decide who's better at it, or if the default becomes part of somebody, one of the the existence of one of the adults, and again, it's statistically relevant to understand that the bulk of the work lays on the shoulders of women because of the historical myth that women are oh, better. Oh. So. I wonder if it's because women were better or because women were chattel. I mean, really, on most property. I mean, if you go historically enough, they weren't 
they were their uh, their own version of slaves. They're uh, three fifths of a person. No, slaves were three. three <laughs> people were three fifths of a person. <laughs> women did women. The, uh, again, Merle. If we look back historically to the ways in which women didn't have access to education, law, you know, religion, that they didn't have access. And so the weight of the household would fall on their shoulders. We're not there anymore. And yet that myth prevails. So it's, it's actually not that women are better at it. And if they are better at it, it's because they were exposed to it at a very, very, very early age. Yes, I agree. And and their male counterparts, by and large, were not not exposed to it. Right. And but yet here we are in the 21st century, well into the 21st century. Yes. We have access to all manner of media and blogs and news and neighbors. And we hear that there's trouble in paradise, women's pay parity. Uh, you know, we have these, these in the 70s and through the 90s, I don't know how long, we had these stupid commercials, Calgon, take me away, take me away from what? During during the holidays, stupid commercials, there's one, it's it's for massage envy. And it's this, these all of these memes of these women doing all of this work. What does she want for Christmas? Give her a one hour massage card. And I'm like, no, partner with her on all this work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, what? Yes. <laughs> no question. No, no question about it. So wait, in one of your videos, you mentioned something about two-legged clutter. <laughs> uh, Tell me. <laughs> so I came up with the term two-legged clutter uh, after speaking with clients who tell me uh, that the other adult in the household <coughs> is kind of useless in terms of of picking up after themselves, they're you know they're making mess, they're not picking up, they're not participating in being a partner in the home, and so they're they're picking up after this person. So they're like they're picking up after the two legged clutter. I think of two-legged clutter as the person that's not there for your higher good, your emotional well-being, isn't listening to you, isn't wanting to partner with you on, on what you're saying over and over again in every single different way that you can think of. That's, you know, they just become more of the clutter that you have to deal with. So it's clutter on two legs. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I think sometimes, though, as a as a relationship person, I think sometimes uh, women aren't aren't actually being as clear as they think they are uh, in expressing what their needs are. And I think sometimes um, they're. Uh, they're insecure and not, uh, and it's it's hard to go against what society kind of gives us as our social norm, and to act a little more independently 
in the partnership and in the partnership have uh, the, the sense, the comfort to say, hey, Tootsie, this is, we got to do this together. Um, and so, I, you know, somehow I, I think it would be nice to also give a strength, somehow able to give strength to the the women. And uh Merle. Merle. Here's a question for you. Good. Yeah. When I think about uh a young cisgender hetero couple getting together <clears throat> i think about the, the the conversations that they begin about how they're going to manage the household and this is what i've observed and this is how my research what research is showing me that the conversations start pretty good early on i i'm good at this so i'll do this I'm good at this and, or that whatever they, however they language it, they, they start out sharing. But at some point early on along the way, one person isn't continuing their role. And the person who is continuing their role uh, may point it out. Whatever that person's reaction is, is going to likely set up future reactions and future asks. Sure. Okay? Sure. So I never blame women for anything. No. So yeah. if she's going to say, I'm going to put it in she, he terms, if she's going to say, oh, um, I, it, it seems like you stopped doing the laundry. What's going? Is there anything going on? Can I support you? Right? Because maybe that was that role. Um, well, I'm really busy and I'll get to it. Do you think you can help me out? Okay. Then what if it happens again? Do you know what I mean? So, so depending on the reaction and we see this with, um, not to put too fine a point on it. So when I'm working with families with hoarding in the family, yeah, this is st stuff I hear. They may start a conversation, but the person with the hoarding disorder become so um, defensive or aggressive or vehement about being quote unquote, what they see as challenged. Now, the person who is saying it may be doing in, in as loving terms as they know how, but the receiver may be hearing it differently. So again, if she's timid or he's aggressive, then if there's love and if they want to have a really rich and rewarding marriage or partnership, you've got to get outside help. You know what I mean? Avail yourself of these types of resources. Totally. But what happens is what I call, um, what I, I've come to call uh, the dance of death. I, I, I read a book 40 years ago by a woman named Sh Sharon Wegscheider. And uh, she did a deep dive into the alcoholic family. And I think that's where I learned the phrase, the dance of death, because then everybody knows their part. You don't balk. You don't, you don't, you, you stay protected with your stuff and you stop confronting that person on it 
I think the same thing happens in households. One of them just backs down and then resentment builds and then you have divorce. Um, I, I know that that is, you know, yeah. I, it's very, it, it, you know, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm not trying to make silly what happens, but, but we see the dance. You oh. see the dance as a professional. I see the dance as a professional. You know, we're in people's underwear drawers, <laughs> right? I mean, we are in an intimate part of their lives when we get called in to declutter and organize. And so we're privy to the 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 chatter between couples or we can see evidence of it so again um if you're in a situation where you're not getting your needs met you either go into individual or couples therapy if you have that resource and if you don't have that resource there are so many free resources available to us uh in, in a way don't you think if one person has a really a clutter uh, uh, problem um, that it's almost like if, if they have a drinking problem or uh, a, a drug problem? Um, Not clutter. Hoarding disorder, maybe. Hoarding, yeah. Hoarding disorder, Hoarding. maybe. Yeah. But chronic disorganization can be come, can come... People with a hoarding disorder are chronically disorganized, but not all chronically disorganized people have a hoarding disorder. So people who are chronically disorganized without the hoarding brain part, they usually are, um, they are, they are more often than not uh, executive functionally challenged. They just have a lousy relationship with time, a lousy relationship with their emotions, and it's very difficult to plan, prioritize, um, and 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 be as productive as you want. That's executive function. That's the that's our executive function got us on the call today at the same time. Our <laughs> right. function gets us to where we need to go. Right. Right. Our executive function. You know, I look at the land of public storage, and I think that's the land of emotional mismanagement, by and large. It's the land of here's here this I'm paying a hundred to five hundred dollars a month for things I think I may need someday, or things that came into my life from somebody else that I can't possibly let go of. Those two emotions, I think, really come out of a place of fear. I think it's fear-based reasons for holding on. So you're right. And that's executive functions. That's that's not having. So I come across something in my home. And I'm like, mm, I think I'm going to donate that. I'm probably not going to wear it again. And I just go. It just goes. There's always a donation pile in my place. Right. I don't look at it and go, well, if I lose five pounds, well, if I gain five pounds, well, you know, I I, I don't put a qualifier around it. Does it serve me now? No. Okay. Do I think it's ever going to serve me? Probably not. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I was feeling bad because I have that pile of donations. So I should <laughs> I should have given it away already. <laughs> but I'm waiting for the bag to be full. <laughs> so uh so some of that is that 
Actually, I, I listened to your first book and felt much better about myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, it's just that I'm not perfect, <laughs> but I can function. I can get here on time. I can make things happen. I can prioritize. Uh, you can come into my house at, at any time. So I, I figure I'm okay. <laughs> Thank you for that book. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, and and that is, by the way, it was in that book that I read about uh, that um, you were actually hired by an employer. I thought that was interesting to declutter his office, the office space. And well, and actually, obviously, the boss didn't declutter it. It was the employees. So do you remember that was in your uh, that was in your first book? I, I had read uh, you mentioned it in your first book, Psychic Debris. About my, it's the Brad. question about my employees. Yeah. So uh, I hire people that um, have no they were known for have they, they've been known all their lives for being organized people and they were famous for organizing their Barbies or their books. Uh, organizing is a skill and it's, it's a brain-based skill, right? You've got to have functioning executive functions. You have to be able to activate. You're not a procrastinator. You're productive in your day and in your workplace. And so I hire people that have the basic skills and then we work together to determine if they have the people skills, and, and I help them understand working with chronically disorganized people and, and um, uh, we can go in and clear space. And then I like to go in and help with coaching or, or help them work on maintaining their cleared space because my team can clear any space in, in hours, days, or weeks. But in order to maintain cleared space, one only has to change everything inside of them habits, behaviors, and relationships to stuff in space. So so that's the part that you do and your your, your staff does the actual decluttering. I okay. mean, yeah, right. I don't I don't do the hands-on anymore. Right. Um, but but that's how it goes. Right, right. And it was on the next question that uh <laughs> I uh I know it's so I thought it, I think it's interesting that um, regardless, even though this is you, your topic is about the home and how and how we deal with our executive function and how we deal deal with the division of labor. That it, it, there, it still impacts the workplace and and be you're ahead of the game because you already know all this stuff. So you you should have a very happy staff because <laughs> you're not asking them to do what they can't do. And well, they're not applying for a job that they can't do either. Yes, 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 right. yes, and exactly. But so, so when somebody hires you, uh, to, um, declutter their office, does that, what does that mean about who they hired? And what what was going on in that place that they hired you 
to declutter the office space? Oftentimes it's it's staff turnover. It it really it could be anything, Merle. It, you know, they may have had an employee that was very organized and kept things together and then that person moved on. Um, it, it's, it's really, it's, the work has to be done and it has to be done with somebody who has the skills. If nobody on your team has the skills, you've got to hire someone who has those skills. So, so they didn't hire somebody that had those skills. They hired you to. Merle, they're not going to hire a professional organizer for an accounting job. No, <laughs> I don't. I, I <laughs> organizing companies don't hire me. Business owners hire us to help clear their offices. So business owners hire you to help clear their offices, right? And it, these are business owners that have employees. Sure. Why don't the employees do that? If it's not a skill set, Merle, they're not going to do it. <laughs> so they hire you to hey. give the employees a skill set. No? Merle, think about this. <laughs> You're a company owner. You hire people to do a job for you. Right. You recognize our file system is out of control. We have too many supplies. We have a lot of supplies that we that are obsolete. We don't even need anymore. And my team is working in full steam, doing the jobs that they were hired to do. We're going to outsource the declutter and organize part. That's all. Yes. Just like a household would would outsource. Yes. yes. Okay. That's yeah. Exactly. Yes. So what? <laughs> I'm not really sure where you're going with this. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm just trying to be uh, make you understand my clarity. I'm perfectly oh. clear. I I think what I wanted you to do was say what you just said, okay. which is why. So somebody, so somebody did hire you. No, they didn't hire you to do accounting. They outsourced the clutter. Right. And the clutter happened, I think you expressed it very clearly, the clutter happened because the one person that kept things neat left. Right, or they just got big. Yeah, there's a variety of reasons why yeah. you didn't call us in. Yes, yeah, that's how I, so I think that's uh, absolutely clear, okay. I, I, I don't know if we've talked about this. Uh, we kind of have. In your current book, Emotional Labor, Why Women's Work is Never Done and What to Do About It, discusses society's attitude toward women and women's work. We've certainly discussed that. Do you find that there is any change in men and women's attitude toward the division of labor at home. And and you, you said you really don't see much difference, not statistically. I don't think it's statistically available to us yet. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I, uh, I, I have experiences with, uh, with households that are, uh, that, that have a reasonable division of labor or, uh, so what do you think about this? A household where the man does most of the work in the home and the woman 
makes all the money. What what do you mean? I mean, is is it is that? I mean, that's a. I don't know if it's a division of labor in the household, but it's a division of labor in the partnership. Well, statistically, when women earn higher wages, they're also doing more work in the household. Uh, but maybe that works. <laughs> like <with> drop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, girl, you're, you're pointing out an um, an anomaly. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Well, so big deal. Why mention it? Well, uh, well, uh, what? I mean, why mention it? What we need to do is figure out how intimate, committed couples can partner together in the home, regardless of income, regardless of skill set. To, to one get of the that. ways you do that is to notice the anomalies. That is the whole, so that you can say, well, what, what is it? I mean, that's research. What is it about this anomaly that makes it able to exist and to what extent can we take something from it learn something from it uh subtract something when something is possible with one person it's possible for the world merle the research is already there if people are interested on how to create an equal partnership the books are there. The research has been done. So again, it's up to the folks who are experiencing the challenges in these relationships to seek out. The, it's there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, nor I to you. Yes, uh, uh, there are people that are functioning well. And what are you saying? The people that aren't just should read a book? Well, think... some of them do and it still doesn't work. So what is there? I don't know. I really don't know how to answer that, Merle. I don't. It, it's, there are so many resources available to us. Read a book, go into therapy, talk to your neighbors, bring, to, bring other couples together, talk to one another. It really, it's how much, how much work do you want to put into the work of having a really cool relationship? Anyway, let's move on. I don't have any answers for that. <laughs> uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so I'm just going to move on to, <laughs> I think, I think it's time for you to have some fun. And then Yay. You move right on to there. Because uh, apparently you like to golf and you like to play tennis and you like to write goofy songs about clutter. I do. Uh, but you, do you have one that you could tell us, sing us? Imagine there's no clutter. It isn't hard to do. No need for too much. A little bit is cool. Imagine kitchen counters with just a bowl of fruit. Ooh, ooh. How's that? Ooh, 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 ooh. I can do that part. 
<laughs> I think that's fabulous. It's a great way for us to fade into the sunset. This has been really fun and challenging and a good time. And uh, I want to thank you very much, Regina, for this wonderful uh, interview. Uh, I hope I didn't make things make you too uh, 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 challenged. <laughs> no, not challenged at all. This was fun. Good, good. That's 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 what I care about. Uh, so, uh, thanks for reaching out. <laughs> thank you for listening to Merle's Pearls of Business Wisdom with me, your host, Merle M. Singer, the Relationship Miracle Worker. You can find this episode and all past episodes at relationshipmiracleworker.com slash podcast, or of course on Apple Podcasts and any of your favorite uh, platforms, podcast platforms. And just remember that this is Regina Lark, based in Los Angeles. Regina is the founder of Clear Path and uh, Speaking of Clutter, she is the author of two books, Emotional Labor, Why Women's Work is Never Done, and What to Do About It, and Psychic Debris, Cl uh, Crowded Closets, The Relationship, I love this, The Stuff in Your Head and The Stuff Under Your Bed. That is so cool. Uh, she speaks to domestic and international audiences and at conferences and boardworks. Uh, via various media, which means you can do it in person or online. Find her at aclearpath.com or reginalark.com. Thank you again, Regina. Thanks, Merle. Yeah. See you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah.